They're speakers, authors, and real-life rock stars, bringing you life-changing thoughts that rock. Taking conversation all the way to 11. Most shows only go to 10. Well, it's one louder, isn't it? These go to 11. To 11. This is Thoughts That Rock. Now, here are your hosts, Jim Knight and Brant Menswar. She packed my bags last night. Pre-flight. Pre-flight. Zero hour. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. And I'm gonna be high. How high? So high. As a kite. By then. Spock. Spock. I miss the earth. So much. I miss my life. I miss my life. Can we please stop with this song right now? It's killing me. Welcome, everybody. Shatner, at his best. At his best. Thank you so much for joining us on TTR, as Jim loves it when I say, it's the thoughts that rock, boys. The podcast that's about sharing pieces of life-changing advice squeezed into a double nugget or so. Yeah, you know why we picked that song, right? Rocket Man. Uh, because I'm flying high. I don't know. <laughs> As a kite. <laughs> no, all of our songs. I mean, I think some people probably figured it out, but they're tied into the guest somehow. This time, oh. it's a little foreshadowing of what's about to happen. Nice. A little astronaut action nice. going on. Love that. Yeah. Listen, Thoughts That Rock help support Cannonball Kids cancer and their fight for finding treatment options for kids who've run out of options would you please go check them out if you get a second it's cannonballkidscancer.org see how you can get involved with that fantastic organization yeah we know how busy you are too i mean in addition to probably helping support cannonball kids cancer you're probably freaked out because of all the things happening in your life just Mm -hmm. stepping away and trying to find a little bit of a tasty nugget of Mm -hmm. wisdom to make your life better starving they're super hard to come by, which is why it doesn't really matter, though, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You could be right now, I don't know, building a church in Ecuador <coughs> or planning <coughs> annuals in your front yard. <coughs> give me a ditch. Or maybe you're washing potatoes at Outback. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. We're about to give you Spud. the 20 minutes that you've been looking forward to all week. My fingers are dirty. Let's do it. Let's do it. Right on. Oh, man, our guest today is the history-making NASA astronaut who spent over a year on the International Space Station. We are so thrilled to talk with Captain Scott Kelly. Scott, welcome to Thoughts That Rock. Well, thanks for having me. Look uh, forward to rocking your thoughts. Yes, we'll take it. <laughs> yes. We are thought rockers. We love it. So, Brant, I think you know Scott's uh, epic journey in space is uh, is obviously captured in his fantastic best-selling book, which I have actually right in front of me. It's called Endurance, My Year in Space, A Lifetime of Discovery. It is an awesome, awesome read. And he talks about his uh, unprecedented NASA study that uh, th- they did with him and also his twin brother, Mark, who was on Earth while... You know, Scott was up in space, and Mark's also an astronaut. I think a lot of people probably know that. But talking about the effects of sustained space travel and what that means for us in the future, and I'm sure we can talk about that a little bit with Scott. But also, you know, Scott Kelly is on the speaking circuit, and he's giving keynotes on 
leadership lessons and yeah. teamwork and testing limits and reaching goals. He's just he's fantastic. He so it. not not only you know doing something that most people will never get a chance to do is being up in space and for the length of time he's actually the record holder for consecutive days in space but he's crushing it with uh with his books and his speaking so again we're just so giddy captain that you're able to be here and and i think we've talked about this before we um we do things a little bit different here instead of our normal traditional interview style that that you probably hear on a lot of other podcasts we get right to the point of sharing pieces of advice so scott we're going to leave the floor open to you what is your thought that rocks well, my uh, my thought that rocks, hopefully it rocks, uh, is that there is no easy path to success. Hmm. And what that means is if you want to be successful, that you have to then become the expert Yeah, what you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. Well, so give us some context behind that. We love it. Um, you know, I, one thing you guys asked me before I started this was, was, uh, you know, one good piece of advice that somebody had given you as a, as a way to kind of start our discussion. Yeah. And I really couldn't recall a lot of advice I've given over the years, but there was a piece of advice that actually came from my twin brother of all people. And I talk about it in my book, but it was when I was, uh, I was always a struggling student, you know, growing up, it was just impossible for me to pay attention or do well in school. And, you know, eventually my first year of college, I found some motivation in a, in a book, some inspiration. The book was the right stuff. By oh yeah. Tom Wolf. Mm. Yep. And, you know, I, it just really motivated me to go out and try to do something that I thought was not really possible. And, uh, prior to reading that book and that was to become a, a military pilot, uh, a test pilot, maybe even an astronaut. But I had one big issue, and that is I couldn't study or pay attention. <laughs> but I did. Yeah, it's kind of a that would be an issue. A, <laughs> somewhat of a showstopper. Yes, you think? Fly the space shuttle, right? Yes. <laughs> yes. But I I was able to do. Uh, a little bit better in school to where I changed colleges and I went to this military school type school called uh, New York Maritime College in the Bronx, part of the SUNY system. It was really a great place for me. Um, and then I'm there and I'm an engineering major that had never done well in math or physics, always had, uh, had bad grades. And um, I was in school my freshman year for a couple of months and I called my brother who was a sophomore at a, a school nearby and I asked him uh, for the weekend if he wanted to go down to Rutgers University and hang out with some high school friends of ours and go to a frat party. And he said, uh, he said, no, you know, I got some homework to do. He was, he actually, he did a lot better than I did in school once we started high school. And he said, no, you know, I got some, I got some work to do. Um, and then he said to me, don't you, shouldn't you have like a calculus test coming up? You know, you've been there a few weeks now. It was the early part of the first semester. And I said, yeah, you know, we, we have our first test at the end of the week. And he said to me immediately, he says, he says something like, can you curse on this? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> sure. He said, what the fuck are you thinking? <laughs> he goes, he goes, you have done 
really bad your whole life in math and physics. What are you thinking? You're going to go down to a party instead of staying back and studying. You know, you're, you're on the verge of like turning your life around here. But what's more important to you? Yeah. And, you know, I was really on the fence. I, you know, I really wanted to go. I told, explained to him that I had, uh, you know, I have the first part of the week to study and that'll be good enough. And he says to me, he goes, you know, you need to know how to do every problem in every chapter that you're going to be studied on frontwards and backwards do, you know, every single problem. If it takes you the whole weekend sitting at your desk, that's what you need to do to understand this information. You know, I thought about blowing them off, but I, I did listen to them and it was a great piece of advice because then it, it allowed me to understand like where the bar was on doing well. Mm-hmm. And I've always thought to myself, you know, if you, if you consider like, like grades or learning something as like a target, um, you know, if you want to hit, like, if you, if you just try like hard enough to get a B for instance, that's only 10 points on a scale of one to a hundred. That's a very small target you have. Yeah. But if you decide that, Hey, I'm going to know everything. And instead my goal is not to, uh, get a hundred, but to get a 200, <sighs> which doesn't even exist. If you fall a little bit short, so, so be it. You've still gotten an A. Yeah. And for, and for me, it was this, he gave me this idea of what it, took for me to to do well in school and that was basically become the expert yeah you know if you want if you want to do anything good do it well do it right be successful you basically need to know everything about what you're trying to do yeah there's no and there's no shortcuts there's not and and that carried me through uh college through flight school um in the navy uh test pilot school and then flying the space shuttle that you know, it's the most complicated aerospace space vehicle ever built. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's no there's no place for people in that business that just want to know enough about how it operates or know enough about how they're going to do their job or, uh, you know, you got to know everything. Yeah. You got to be the expert. Getting a B in, in flying the space station is not good. It's not good. Yeah. Yeah, you don't want that guy as your crewmate. Yeah, that's right. It's, you know, it's funny when I when you tell the story, and I know you've obviously shortened it. Your book, it, your book is awesome. Um, and and I think when you were telling it, um, you know, you became defensive when when Mark was telling you that feedback. But I mean, who better than your twin brother who could give you honest feedback and say, "Listen, you got to get your act together here if you're going to make something of your life." And you know, I'm sure that 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 type of feedback would push anybody back, but you took it the way it was intended, the way he wanted. I mean, he loves you and he wanted you to succeed. And, you know, it reminds me uh, when, when I was a young kid, they had this thing called job. O. it was, uh, I, I guess I was 14 years old. I was in middle school, but it was one of these psychometric personality tests. It was probably, I guess, a precursor to these hiring assessments that you would use now. And I took this thing a couple of times. It would go through a Scantron, if you remember those old devices. Mm-hmm. And it would spit out both times that I took it that I was supposed to be an airline pilot. And I thought, you know, one, that's pretty cool. You know, I now know what I'm supposed to do in life. But I thought like you did. I'm like, geez, you got to be pretty smart to fly an airplane, which you, by the way, actually got a chance to do. But it did, it did light a fire underneath me to study more and to feel like, you know, if I have a chance to do this, I'm going to have to up my game a little bit. And so my long and winding road took me 
a little bit different. It was more music background. I was a middle school teacher for a while, but then ran training for hard rock for 21 years. So I eventually worked for and studied organizational cultures. But to your point, I needed to become an expert on that, on culture. If I was ever going to talk about it or write a book about it, there's no way that I could fake it. Now you're, you're dealing with something so much more grandiose and bigger, but you know, I'm so thankful that, you know, that mindset that you took, I had to do the same thing, you know, and I surrounded Mm -hmm. myself with books and conferences and webinars and articles and whatever. And now I get a chance to write and talk about it. So I think your, your thought is brilliant. It actually does rock my face off, believe it or not. You know, it's funny. You, you, you said something that reminded me of, of something that I had not thought about in, uh, man, almost, uh, probably 45 years. And that is when I was a Cub Scout, you go on these field trips Yeah, and mm-hmm. I can remember two field trips we went on. The first one was to the airport <laughs> and I'd never been in an airplane before. And I, uh, we actually got to go to, I think it was New York airport and we got huh. to go inside the cockpit of like a 727 or something airliner. And you might as well have been putting me in the cockpit of an alien spaceship (laughs) because I remember looking at that thinking, you know, I would have, there was absolutely no possibility that I would ever be able to fly an airplane. How funny. Yeah. It wasn't even an aspiration, a dream. It was just like, it might as well have been in some alien language, some alien craft. It was not possible. And then a few weeks later, I remember going to Burger King, and I'm thinking, oh, I can see myself working here at Burger King. This seems a lot easier. (laughs) Uh, I just never told that story before. Your airline pilot story gave me the, uh, kind of sparked that that memory just so That's you know right. we know people at burger king if there's if you That's need right. a job there That's we can right. hook you up scott the speaking thing <laughs> if it doesn't work astronaut out. doesn't work out yes. we can hook you maybe, up at the bk maybe lounge I a, <laughs> yeah, maybe i can do a a, a a keynote speech at the burger king conference that you could definitely that do you could do <laughs> if you do you've got to tell that story talk about, about the impossible whopper <laughs> you could really hit them uh, with some incredible information, you know, I think it's I, I think it's pretty amazing, Scott. That um, I was reading an article. Uh, I, I love this idea of you sort of setting the bar higher than than most people would even consider. Yeah. Um, and I read an article recently about uh, uh, Robert Hershevik uh, from uh, one of the investors on Shark Tank, and he was talking about the best advice he had ever been get, uh, been given by Mark Cuban. And it's right when he first started the show, you know, Hershevik gets on there and he's a cybersecurity guy and that's really where he's comfortable. And he was sort of happy making these smaller investments in places where he felt good and comfortable on. And, and the advice that Mark Cuban gave him was you need to dream bigger. You're not dreaming big Mm -hmm. enough. And, and I, and that to me really resonates even with what you just said of you need to dream a little bit bigger um, because if you fall short, you're still doing something pretty amazing. <laughs> and that's, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty good advice. And, and one mm-hmm. that, you know, interesting. Uh, so I live on the space coast. I live, um, just on the, on the, on the land side of, uh, Kennedy space center, um, from, from the coast. Uh, and, uh, my so wife, you're, you're the, you're the Florida man. Yes. Yes. <laughs> my, uh, my wife had an opportunity when she was teaching, uh, to go do the zero G experience 
and um, got a chance to sort of get up in that plane and, and uh, have it make those parabolas or whatever that, that, that create the weightlessness experience. Yeah. And, you know, for as easy as uh, I love looking at your piece of advice, this is there's no easy path to success. So how, how easy would you think it is to just float around uh, in a, <laughs> in, in an area on a empty, you know, 747 or whatever it was that they had up there. But she said it was so difficult to control your body and to sort of prepare for this isn't going to last. So you've got to get your body in a position that when it comes down, you are, you're, you're not going to land on your head. Um, and, and she ended up having a really difficult time, um, with something that you would think just floating around, how hard could it be? But there is no easy path. Um, and, and as crazy as something might look as, as easy as it is to go, gosh, I'm just going to sit up here and float around. Um, gosh, you, you were up there for 500 days or so. Yeah. And, and, and you didn't even know what those effects were going to be like when you returned. And, and it, mm-hmm. it, it took a little bit of time, I would imagine for you to sort of, you know, humans are pretty adaptable and I'm sure your wife would have gotten used to it after, you know, yeah, a few few days, few weeks, few months. You, you kind of evolve, you know. But but something else made me think that you know, something else you said made me think about, you know, achievement and success. And you know, as a as a when you're starting off at something, you know, you you, you can never imagine, you know, like eighteen year old kid reads book, decides, you know, at eighteen years old, decides he or she are gonna fly the space shuttle someday because it's just like it doesn't seem realistic i mean sure. it's a it's a giant leap yeah, right yeah, yeah but in retrospect in hindsight what it really amounted to for me was a bunch of very much smaller manageable steps one built upon another mm-hmm. yeah. and i think a, where a lot of kids um you know fail is they think well how can i go from high school graduate to you know, brain surgeon, that's just too hard, right? Yeah. It just seems impossible. But the step between, you know, general surgeon and brain surgeon might not be too hard or, you know, a medical school student to a uh, resident or college student to medical schools, you know, the, the, yeah. the smaller steps are a lot easier and no one, you know, you don't, you don't start out at, at the top of your field. You work your way up by, you know, just being prepared everything you do, take it seriously, be the expert. Yeah. That, that's your whole point too. I mean, it, it, even if you thought there was some lofty grandiose goal, if you chunk it down into smaller bite-sized pieces, that, that doesn't mean that, you know, you, you can't ultimately get to the level that you want. It's just, you got to put in the work. You've got to have an awesome work ethic. You got to do it the absolute best. You got to fill your head with as much information. And even if it's one small step, once you crush that, you can move to the next one and, and you're the perfect mm-hmm. analogy for, you know, honestly for all kids. I mean, they grow, I think all of us sort of grow up wanting to maybe be a policeman or fireman or be an astronaut. And it's so funny. You even say yourself, I mean, maybe all the way through until you get to college, you weren't even thinking like that. And when you made that mm-hmm. choice, you did it because you had sheer will you, you, you willed it into existence. Yeah. I, I think it, I mean, it's honestly the perfect transition to our thought that, it is. that, um, that comes from Zig Ziglar uh, this week. So, uh, Scott, our thought that rocks this week that we're going to share with you is this. Thoughts that rock number two. There are no traffic jams on the extra mile. And I love this thought from from Zig uh, that 
as you, as you see sort of the step-by-step process that you've gone through to be able to get to this point that something might have seemed unobtainable, the, the fact of the matter is you were willing to do each step along the way. And as it gets more difficult, as you get to that upper echelon where most people say, this is it, this is as far as I'm ever going to get. For those that are willing to push through, there is no traffic jam on that extra mile. It just, the, the amount of people who drop out and just quit, um, are so much greater than the few who decide to continue to push forward. And because you decided to push forward, here you are now making history and, um, and leaving a legacy that's going to last, you know, for generations. Yeah. You know, I tend to agree with you as you, uh, you know, as you get more successful, you know, the, the, the pyramid gets smaller at the top and you have less, less competition. And it's always a matter of, you know, are you willing to, go that extra mile i guess yeah, and, uh, yeah i think people that do um and are willing to be prepared and and take the risk in some cases uh, wind up achieving success and then there there is everybody else yeah. you know it's it reminds me ultimately of all three of us on the phone uh, you know as public speakers and we're all represented by uh, kepler speakers we love those guys i can tell you for a fact and you probably get this as well many people will ask me how did you get into it? You know, that, that seems to be a standard question, but there are a couple people that will come right behind it and say, they want to do that. They want to be public speakers, professional keynote speakers. But when you start to go through all the time and effort and work and patience and rigor that it takes to actually perfect the craft, they tend not to want to go the extra mile, right? They don't want to become the expert. They say they do. They see all the cool, fun benefits, but they don't see the two, three decades of work and you getting right to the exact way that you want to deliver the information in perhaps a very edutaining way. And it's just, it's interesting to me when you start thinking about this Zig Ziglar quote, there are no traffic jams on the extra mile. It ties right back into yours. There's no easy path to success. You either put in the work or you don't. And if you don't, that's cool. You can do what you want to do, but you can't come and do the same thing that we happen to be doing, Right. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you. It's, uh, you know, like anything else, uh, if you want to be successful, you got to be willing to, to, to put in the effort and, uh, be prepared and never give up too. I mean, there's a lot of people along the way that just throw up their hands and, and give up and yeah. Did you just, not the, did you just quote not, Titanic? You yeah. did, didn't you? <laughs> I don't think I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Never give up, Jack. No, you know, it's it's funny. You know, I think, you know, Jim, to your point, it, we often, when people find out that, that we just speak for a living and, and you know, oh, how do, how do you get that gig? I want that gig. Yeah. Right? Uh, there's not many people who, well, I, I lived on the International Space Station for a year. For, for a year. Oh, oh. Okay. Uh, how, how do you do that? I want to get that gig. You know, when, when you set the bar that high, then, yes. then being a public speaker becomes obtainable. <laughs> yeah, well, it's pretty pretty clear how I got the public speaking gig. It yes. has everything to do with being on the space station for a year. Yes. Okay, you trumped us. You took the harder route than we did. Scott, I played guitar for 20 years as a rock star, and that got me into the speaking world, but I think you have us both trumped by a, by a little bit here yes. with your feats. You know, I was going to, uh, I was going to tell you, Brant, you know, obviously like many kids, um, and Scott, you don't know this. I'm, I'm completely fascinated by space. My, my favorite TV show was Star Trek. I actually have a Star Trek office with memorabilia, the whole deal. 
and I'm also a native Central Floridian. I mean, uh, between Brant and I, we've seen dozens of, of launches, rockets, shuttles, the whole thing. And I happened to, when I was at Hard Rock, we had a conference that we wound up doing uh, over in that area and knew at that time the uh, the KSC director. And uh, he, he had set up for us to do a visit on Launchpad 39A. So, you know, very few people get a chance to climb up on that thing. You know, there was no space shuttle on it at that time. Yeah. But, you know, we were invited and, and a couple of my Hard Rock exec buddies went with me and I went over to see a night launch with the uh, in the area where the families hang out the three miles away from the space station and i did that watching the uss discovery take off in a night launch in december of 1999 which is your first launch right that was oh, yeah. that was your first time going up into space and i just yeah. i was realizing that i got a chance to see i've only seen probably three night launches but i was there in your inaugural launch and it's just Again, it just makes me giddy to think that, you know, you had a moment to just spend with us on on the show. But, you know, looking at you and and your brother, too. I mean, we're, we're fans of his. I know he's embarking on a political life and, and running for Senate in, in Arizona and just your whole family. Um, you share a lot of this, by the way, in the book. I, I can't push people enough in our audience to go grab endurance. I, I think it's such a great read and you really do pull back the curtain on that lifestyle and what it was like to be up there and to come back. But even now the the work that you're doing and talking about leadership and teams and reaching goals. Um, I, I just think that you're such a class act and it's just been really joy to, to have you as a guest on the show. So we thank you so much. Well, thanks for having me. I uh, enjoyed it and uh, you actually reignited some memory in my mind about working at Burger King or becoming an airline pilot. <laughs> yeah. so I, I thank you for that. Yeah. Whatever we can do. You whatever know, we, can do. we shoot low, Scott. We shoot low. <laughs> That's here. right. That's right. Well, listen, uh, we will have a lot of your information in the show notes, and uh, we, we hope that everybody on the uh, on the episode checks it out. And again, such a big fan, and we can't thank you enough. Thank you so much for spending time on Thoughts at Rock. All right. My pleasure. We'll talk to you soon. Rock on. Thanks, Kevin. Hey, rock stars. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe to make sure you don't ever miss an episode. And if you're interested in having Brant or me or both of us speak at your event, we're exclusively represented by Kepler Speakers, the industry's leading resource for booking conference keynotes. To start your unforgettable experience, go to KeplerSpeakers.com. Until next time, rock rock on. on.